Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Welcome everyone and welcome my guest this week, Isaiah Abrams. Isaiah, how are you, mate? I'm doing absolutely awesome. It's a bit nippy down where I am in near Melbourne, but it's it's going good. How, how are you? Going well, mate. Going well. Recovering. Uh, not well last week and I haven't been sick in a long, long time. So that was a bit of a shock to the system, but we're going well now. Now, you are much younger than my uh, typical guest, but that's cool because uh, we'll get to see a different perspective than what we usually get. But it also doesn't mean that you're not going to have a heap of gold for my typical audience, which tend to be a bit older. And and I know that from what the conversations we've already had from the, your ability to help people of any age. So what is that? What is the primary problem that you help people with, Isaiah? Share us a bit about the uh, inside workings of the Alpha Activation Academy. All right. All right. Perfect. Well, let's jump straight in then. Um, yeah. So basically, I help a lot of busy professionals. So this is anywhere from kind of like entrepreneurs to like data analysts, a lot of people just in desk jobs, really just help them trying to get their routines, increase their productivity, get the most out of their work. Because a lot of the people I work with, they are very, I guess, work orientated. Yes, family, yes, all that other stuff, but their routines in health, their routines around themselves are kind of lacking a bit because it's like what I always say. We are very selfless. We give a lot to other stuff. We're not selfish. So we got to be selfish to be selfless. Um, So it's kind of getting their health right with their nutrition. So there's kind of three different ways, I guess, I like to do it. So the first one is mindset, because as you probably know, mindset is going to be key. Um, And then there's obviously the accountability part, so keeping up with it. Um, And then there's the strategy. Like all of my feel is just as important as other and doing it more so it's not, I guess it's more of a lifestyle change, more of an identity change more than just a get quick fit kind of thing. Eight weeks, let's get shredded, and then let's just lose it all after. Like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah the statistics aren't on that aren't really that good. Um, but go, doing it for the long term is what I really like to do. So, Oh, I love that. And and any, any change that's sustainable has to be done gradually and it has to be something that's going to be able to be ongoing. Otherwise, it just becomes another one of those things that, well, like the fad diet, right? Lose, lose a heap of weight and then have it all come back again. It's a, it's a great metaphor for a lot of different areas where we try and get those those magic bullet solutions when that's not our life is. So changing those habits. And I love how you've got there. It's important to have the right mindset and accountability, but you have to have a strategy, right? So yeah. your strategy that you help people with, 
are you helping them find the strategy that works specifically for them? Because I imagine they all come from very different backgrounds. Yeah, 100%. Like everyone works differently because what works for you won't work for me and what works for, let's say, John, the person that's watching this, won't be the same stuff as someone else. So everyone's a little bit different. It does follow fundamental principles because, yes, getting fit and healthy, there is a structure behind it. But it's everyone's structure is a little bit different, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, 100%. So if I turned up to you uh, and, I'm, and I'm looking for help and I'm, and I'm flat out busy, I've got lots going on, uh, I just can't seem to prioritize enough time for, for my physical well-being. So what's the conversation? How are you starting that conversation with me to, to help me uh, shift my mindset around it? Oh, just having a chat, really. Um, yeah, because obviously the way I coach don't, doesn't fit a lot of people. I'm very, I guess, I like to give tough love sometimes. So I like to really keep them accountable to what they say they want. Because a lot of people say, yes, they want to lose, for an example, let's say 20 kilos. They want to feel a lot better. They want to get that energy back in their life. They don't want to feel puffed when they walk upstairs. Yeah. But a lot of the time, that's just a lot of motivation. That, that, that looks really nice. But when hard times come, they fall off. So realistically, it's just a chat to make sure that we have the right kind of attitude and that it goes towards kind of my vision um, as well and kind of fits in with everything. And then, yeah, we basically have a bit of a chat. And then if I can't help you, then we kind of, I still give you value um, and still kind of guide you in the right direction. Um, but yeah, it's really just starts with the chat and like, that's, that's, that's really where it starts. Yeah, I know. I love that, and it's and it's important for you to to know that you are that you are actually going to be able to help someone. Otherwise, you're just taking money and you're not actually creating solutions. Oh, the, and yeah, go on. Hundred percent. Like if I was just in it for the money, there's definitely easier things to do with female money. So <laughs> yeah, and and I love that you've really highlighted that because to me, there's a you know a crowded marketplace of people giving assistance, and there are plenty, and and I've. And I've had experiences like this myself where it's a, it's a transaction rather than about being about actually like the mm. solution that, that we're looking for. So to me, that's such, a, such a, a powerful differentiator. So I love that. It's not, one, it's not one solution fits all, you said, but tell me mm. about some of the, the, the strategies that you use to help people creating those shifts so if they if they're at that point let's talk about busyness for example so if there's someone that's mm -hmm. got heaps on and and they and they and they're trying to tell you that well I, I just can't make time for it at the moment like how do you actually help them get that clarity to be able to see help them see the that their world from a different perspective mm, yeah 100 percent. so i guess i'll give a more kind of personal example so like I went through periods that's probably similar to a lot of the people listening of where they're really busy. They feel like they have no time, but realistically I spent 10, 15 minutes just sit, sitting on the toilet. So thinking about, okay, where is your time allocated and how long does it really take? Because a lot of people do think, yes, they need hours in the gym. They need to really kind of sit there cooking for like, it takes a lot of time, but realistically it doesn't because you got to do minimal things. So there's this training technique, I'm not sure if you heard of it, called greasing the groove. So it's more of a Russian type training technique thing. Yeah. It's, it's pretty plain and simple. So it's basically just small micro workouts multiple times a day. So tell me you can't prioritize five minutes 
to make yourself better. Like yeah. if you do five minutes of something. So most people, it's not, it's more about the action of doing something than actually kind of going all in on something big. So it's those small little wins that add up to that big win in percent. Like, like, are you a cricket man, Ian? Do you like cricket? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. I've got a question. What wins a game? The sixes and fours or the ones and twos? Oh, my coach would say it's fielding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, it's but it's like, <laughs> if we're batting, what would kind of yeah, make it's the, the biggest? It's the, it's the ones and the twos, right? It's the it's the bread and butter. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So if we can get most of those ones and twos, then we end up winning majority of those runs, if that makes sense. Same yeah. thing. Like there, there's like the, you've probably seen it one percent better each day. What is yes. it? Twenty three times better in a whole entire year. So it adds up. It's just consistency over time. Realistically, yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure if I just rambled or answered your question there, but no, no, I it was hope good. that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You said you've you've been in that position where you've been really busy, and and then people who are watching this or listening may find that hard to believe you're like well how can you how can you know from from experience you're only a youngster like what's it like but you were training to be an elite athlete you also said it, at one point you were working three jobs so you you know what business is all about so what was life for you way back then way back a few years back when when uh when life was just like all happening and, and you had like so much going on it was hectic, to be honest. It, yeah. it, it was very, very busy. Um, like, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so, basically, what I was doing is I was training for javelin. Um, so, kind of in the Olympics, there's javelin, so spear throwing. And in athletics, especially in Australia, you kind of have to work to fund that. It's kind of a very expensive sport. So, I was working to fund that to really kind of push towards me dreams in that, doing all that. So, I was working three jobs. And I'm down about an hour and a half from where I, tra- where, where I normally train. So I would drive yep. that multiple times a week. So let's just say for numbers sake, I was working probably 60 odd hours on average, sometimes more, sometimes less. I was having at least a 10 hour commute per week, um, just three times to get, get up to the city to train, plus my training, plus, yeah, yeah w- w- whatever else. And yeah, just, just all the normal stuff that comes with that as well. So I was, I was very busy. Um, and yeah, it ended up leading to, I guess, me getting injured and a lot of bad habits coming in. So for an example, I can think of one time, I'm not sure if you remember in Sydney, but there was $1 hamburgers from Macca's. Do you, do you ever remember those $1 hamburgers from Macca's? Vaguely. I, I haven't, I haven't eaten uh, those sort of things in a fair while, so it wouldn't have been in my, uh, in my thoughts, but keep yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's totally, it's not in my thoughts now, but I remember especially the eating habits and all that, they were pretty darn shocking um, back yeah, in that time yeah, yeah. because I was, I was really busy. I didn't feel like I had time to prioritize, especially my eating. I just had to get something and go. So I remember driving to Macca's being like, okay, like let's say three, three of them will fill me up. Ended up buying 10. Why did I buy 10? It's just something and it came a bit of an addiction that, and it kind of ended up making me take a step backwards, if that made sense. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I, I've, yeah, it's, it's something I'm not probably proud of, um, but it's, yeah. Um, so yeah, so wh- where was I going? So yeah, so I was working a lot, 
and I was trying to do other things, but it all ended up, I guess, crumbling down and ended up hurting myself and doing all that type of thing. Yeah, and we'll come to that. We'll come to that moment where you've injured yourself. Um, the, the thought that comes to mind is we, we all have these different things, like probably not uh, hamburgers so much for me, although I, I did very much enjoy them. But for me, it was more like alcohol was that sort of space where it was like okay, yeah. fill a void with, with something. And then it's amazing how whatever it is that, you, that you're choosing, whether it's the, the burgers or the alcohol or something else, the more you do of one thing, the, the more that you're likely to do more of it. But the moment yeah. you switch to something else, like for example, exercise, it becomes the same sort of habit moving forward there. It's like it, it, it's once you're in the routine and you've got that momentum, it's easier to, to keep it going. How do you get yeah. people to create that shift from one vice to a vice that actually is going to serve them so that they can, they can feel that same, same momentum that you know will come once they make it a habitual part of their life? Yeah. Yeah, of course, man. Um, give me one second. I've just got the door open and it started raining, so I'm just going to quickly close that. <laughs> you're, I don't want to get more wet, so give me 30 seconds and I'll be back. <laughs> just talk amongst yourselves. Fantastic. Not the first time uh, that I've had to cover while someone had to step away from the podcast. The, fir- the first time uh, I think it was actually me who had to go and step away because the dog was going crazy. So it's, uh, it happened. Yeah, sorry. It, it just started hammering down. So <laughs> all good. It's all good. All um, good. Yeah. So what you were going. So basically, I like to look at that as a bit of a negative feedback loop as well. Um, so yeah. when we do something, I guess, eat a hamburger, we know we shouldn't, but we end up eating a hamburger. It makes us feel bad, which makes us want to do kind of that behavior. Um, and then it makes us kind of do more of that behavior and keeps going. So it's that backwards momentum. So yeah. momentum can go both ways. It can pull us forward or pull us back. So the easiest way I like to look at it is like kind of what I said previously, small little wins, small little things and adding up. Because a lot of my clients are a lot, I guess, like me. They're not like three hamburgers will fill me up. It'll be like, I'll get 10. Yeah. It's the all or nothing. It's that type yeah. of mentality. So yeah. doing it kind of not all or nothing, but doing small little wins. Knowing that it's okay to do a set of push-ups each little day. It's okay to do a one little walk. It's okay to do something. So that's when I think standards are super important. So setting a standard for yourself that you don't go below. So something I have in my programs and I tell my clients and stuff like that is standards over schedule. So this might relate to all the busy folk out there. Um, Yes, your schedule can be fucking hackers. Um, I hope you don't mind me kind of saying that, but that's the best way to sum it up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, sum it up. So it can be really hectic, but then your standards have to come before. So I don't care if it's health standards. I don't care if it's personal standards, like spending time with your family, whatever. If it's one date night a week, I remember I used to have that. It, what are these standards that are going to push you to that next level? What are these standards that you want to bring into your life? It could be around anything. Yeah. So good. Standards over schedule. I love that. And uh, how often do we uh, get ourselves caught in the, the when you talked about busyness, we get caught in that, well, I've got to follow the schedule. I've got to have this, I've got to have that, but breaking it down into smaller pieces. Uh, a comment there from the audience, Tanya saying, interesting that sabotage becomes a whatever cycle, the damage is done. Um, yeah. 
it, it is a bit like that, isn't it? Like we go, uh, 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 kind of shrug our shoulders, well, what can I do sort of thing? Well, that's exactly when we can take that self-control back and actually do something about it. So that's a great point, Tanya. So Isaiah, tell me about that moment that changed everything for you then. Yeah, so it, I could probably bring it to two actually. Um, so there was definitely one. Um, I will get a bit vulnerable here and talk about past relationships because I think that was a big kind of thing. This was around the same time that I broke my back as well. So I'll, I'll touch that in a minute. But yeah. there was a, a few words that my ex did tell me because to give you some context, I was in a relationship. I kind of knew that I probably sh- we won't work out. I probably should have. Might have been me just being young, a bit naive, being like, oh, I don't want to hurt us. I'll just stay in it which was hurting us more when I kind of wanted to just, yeah, it's just all that that kind of happened. Yep. And she said a few simple words. She's like, we're having a fight one day, something back and my father, I didn't do something. She's like, actions speak louder than words. I'm like, oh shit. Like, yeah, I've had all these thoughts. I've had all these things I've been meaning to do, but never happened. So that led me to go traveling and doing all these things. And actually for me to kind of, I guess, man up, and kind of know that it was the best thing for both of us to go opposite ways. Um, and then during that time, I think that was just after I broke me back. So it, it, a lot happened in about six months. So I'll, I'll bring us back a couple of months. Yeah. So as you know, I was an, a kind of an athlete, a high level athlete training, doing javelin. I got a stress fracture in my L2, L3 after a comp because I wasn't looking after myself. Yes, I was training hard. But I wasn't looking after myself. As you can tell, my diet was fucking shot. My diet was shot. I was doing everything that wasn't there. I was driving long hours. I was sitting down, meaning all my lower body is going to be tight. I'm going to pull, I'm going to get that stress there. So basically, I stressed my body that much that it broke, that I wasn't looking after myself. And I was, what, 20 at the time? So for a 20-year-old to have a broken back because he wasn't looking after himself is, is, is pretty serious, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So it it took a lot to kind of come back, but I'd say those two moments were kind of the key moments in my life that made me kind of change and start taking action to what I wanted to be. It's it, to me, it's really curious. So you're an elite athlete. You're, you're driven to driven by performance, mm. and the thought that comes to mind for me is like the pressure that you must have been feeling, like because our back represents. You know, mm. our, our support system physically, but also, you know, how much support we're giving ourselves or we're allowing ourselves to receive. Were you were you driven by, like, I really want to make it to the Olympics? Like, was that a real overriding thing or was it just something you were kind of just doing because you, you happened to be good at it or, like, like how did that sort of unfold, that, that, that desire to continue to push the boundaries? Yeah, so that, that, that's a good, good question. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of reflection on this because obviously, like, I was kind of raised, my sister was a high-level athlete as well. She didn't have the heart for it. Um, and that really frustrated me parents. So I think it was a bit of kind of that reflecting on me. Okay, I'm the only one still there. I've got to still do it. I've got to make it as far as I can. They've invested all this time into me, all that. Um, yeah. And, like, I would say now, recently, in the last six months, I've gotten back into it. I've found the heart again for it. Yeah, I've cool. been able to do it, but it's more smarter, not harder. And it's more kind of getting that reflection back on that. Because yes, it was all that coming on, all that pressure 
from outside kind of forces pressuring me thinking I've got to do it for that they've invested in me I'm going to let them down do all that type of thing um but yeah it's it's definitely something wasn't clicking because yes I was pushing hard in the gym I was training hard I was doing all that but then outside of the gym I wasn't looking after myself my sleep was shot I was waking up early, like 5 at 5 a.m to start shifts at 5 30 to pretty much go to bed at like 11 12 like my sleep was shot um my like nutrition was shot I felt like I didn't have time to look after myself. I was stressed out of my mind. Like everything looked like it was going right, but it wasn't behind the scenes. To me, like just listening to your talk, it's like it'd be a real eye-opener for many people who look at like elite athletes and and go, oh, yeah, like how lucky are they? They've got this, that, and the other. But the story you're telling is – from the stories I've heard is it's more like what you're describing than it's this, you know – magical uh easy journey it's like no like no one's paying your way particularly for olympic sports and and athletics specifically you've got to you've got to push yourself you've got to find the motivation you've got to be working different jobs and then somewhere in and around that you've got to try and find time to look after yourself as well um i'll come back to that but i'm I'm always curious as a as a uh parent of a athlete uh as a coach myself as a sports coach that is mm. how often that that piece exactly like you described where where children are doing it are being motivated by those external causes particularly parents and i think it's a good one for parents to listen to what what you said in on reflection that you realized just how much pressure was going on there but what was that – how did that play out at the time? How did that actually impact you physically, mentally, emotionally when you're trying to push towards this dream, for want of a better word, when when perhaps you weren't doing all the pushing? Mm. Yeah, so like I would say in my younger years I did love it because it would get me out of school. It would be like, okay, brilliant. I don't have to sit there studying. I don't have to do this because I'm going to go to ath training. So I'm going to go travel to ath training and do something I love, which is fitness, um, really move my body, really kind of enjoy it. Um, later on, it probably led me to kind of push a bit too hard, um, I guess, and really kind of push kind of beyond. So for, I think it's interesting to look at, okay, how I'm training now as a 22-year-old, about to turn 23, to how I was training when I was 19, 20. It's vastly different, but I'm getting more results here without the pressure, without kind of the stress. So just to put some numbers and some context behind it, when I was training, I was traveling from where I am now. So Warrigal, for you guys in Melbourne and Victoria, you'd probably know where Warrigal is. I was training there to Box Hill. So with traffic, it's probably like an hour, hour and a half. So about three hours back and forth, three times a week. Yeah, wow. Now... Now I'm only going up when I get time. If I'm down that way, I'll go to I'll, I'll go to a training. I'm doing it all by correspondence, and I'm doing it smarter, not harder. I was putting a lot of stress there. Like, I have to go to training. I've, I've my parents have invested all this money. I have to do this. I have to do that, and not being resourceful and finding other ways I could do it that would make my life easier. Um, I, I hope that kind of answered it a little bit. Yeah, it does, and it plays into what you said earlier around the the needing to be selfish, to be selfless. Mm. Like we need to prioritize ourselves first 
be in it for the right reasons. And if we if we apply that to how you're helping people now around their their well being and their fitness, it's the same thing, right? It's like what's what is actually the motivation? Why am I doing this? And I think that's such a powerful question. So is that part of what you take people through when you're talking mindset and strategy to them, like finding out why they're doing it and and like could you do it with a an example of uh, maybe someone a, a unique motivation that one of your clients may have had to actually make improvements in this area? Yeah, yeah, of course, man. So, like, I always ask why, um, because what what do I say? Seven layers deep. That's where the actual true why is. So, I've had people come up and being like, "Okay, I feel like a fat fuck," um, and I want it's more, more for me, especially with the parents. It's more about that generational health. They don't want to bring it, their bad habits onto their kids. And yeah. I can say I can feel that myself without even having kids. I don't want to bring my bad habits onto them yeah. and so on and so on. So it's making that generational change. But it could be as simple as, okay, I want to get out and actually be able to run around with the kids. At the moment, I can get out. And as soon as I start running around, I feel puffed and I've got to have a break. I got to sit down and sit there and have a smoke and go to all these things because you feel bad about yourself. So it's what kind of is it? Some people, for me, it's just I want to fucking get the girls and look good. Like, okay, so be it. As long as it gets you to tie up your shoes in the morning and get outside when it's pissing down rain, it motivates yeah. you. It makes you feel good. It's, it's yeah, it, it gets you to where you want to go. I really don't care what it is. It could be anyone. But I'd say a good exercise for a lot of people to ask is ask why seven times. So start off with why now and then ask it again. Why that? And then keep asking it so-and-so. Yeah, it's a powerful question and, and one that people don't ask anywhere near enough. I love what you described there. It's like, well, it doesn't actually matter what your motivation is. And people have unique motivators and they have unique ways of inspiring themselves. And that's okay. And I think there's... Often, I don't know if you've experienced this with people, but there's a lot of self-judgment that comes. Oh, if I answer that, which is why you have to ask it seven times, right? Yeah. Because if I say that, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? What is it, What are they going to think that about me? You know, it's not like find what works for you. Like that's the most important oh, thing. Hundred percent. And I think an important thing to say there too is your wise might change over time. Yeah. Like your wise might start off to get the girls like me it was to get the girls now it's to perform at my highest to give to be selfish so i can give to people so making sure i do work out today making sure okay i do feel my best making sure i do do all that so i can give the most to others so it's kind mm. of that's more my motivation now that's more my why before it was like yeah i want to get fit and healthy to kind of not let me parents down and to kind of throw big numbers look impressive all those shiny light stuff and yeah. yes, that motivated me for a while, but it wasn't strong enough. You touched on something there. You said that the, the making a difference. So, mm. so what is the difference that you want to make for people? Like, what is it that inspires you to help people to to change their life and from their physical well being perspective? Oh, I I guess we've already talked. It's more that generational change, to be honest. Like, yeah. oh, I absolutely love getting like changing people's lives. I guess. Um, because like with your work and I guess my work too, that's really what we're doing. We're teaching people how to change their own lives to better yeah. themselves. Yeah. So and, and that that fires me up to be honest. Um, but it's really kind of stopping this obesity like like academic that that's coming through. There's a lot of people like 
you drive down the street now, you see kids that are obese. And then you see their parents picking them up and they're obese. And honestly, that just makes me feel sad, to be honest. Like, because I know for me, a lot of my family are obese. And I want to show them how not to be. Because being obese is a choice. Being overweight is a choice. Not being healthy is a choice. Yes, you can be like, okay, there's some genetic people, whatever. But 99.9% of people aren't affected by their genetics. They're not gen- genetically obese. So there is always something we can do. Yeah, and, and, and it's probably a good segue into your own experience there because people might go, oh, you're a young kid. Like, what would you know about carrying a heap of weight? But you said when you broke your back, you, you put on 20 kilos, right? Yeah, so- yeah. So I would say, like, I've fluctuated with weight for a long time. Because yeah. I didn't get into athletics until a kind of an, a very old age. A lot of people get into it when they're like 10, 11, little ass stuff like that. I got yeah. into it when I was like 17, 18. Yeah, I got right. into it at pretty much the end of school. So, yes. So, that kind of caused a lot of stuff as well, talking about the mindset side. That, yes, I've got to catch up. I've got to drive. I've got to go as hard as I can, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, that might have caused that. But that's kind of a side thing from the question. Um yeah so when i broke my back i did gain 20 kilos but i've been struggling with i guess weight for a long time because like i said all my life i've been very all or nothing i've been very okay it's footy season let's play some footy um so for me it's afl wherever you're watching might be rugby for me it's afl um so let's play some footy running around a hell of a lot okay my met goes up so the amount i burn throughout the day goes up meaning i lose but i'm still eating the same amount So for me, it was a lot about eating behavior and eating habits. And yes, when I broke my back, just from my eating habits and behavior, I gained 20 kilos within six months. And then even that, I still gained weight afterwards. I think the heaviest I got up to was about 120 something odd. Um, That's the absolute heaviest I had. Had the man tits going, had had the gut sticking out. Yeah, I, I wasn't very happy at that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had a similar journey and I broke my leg when I was, uh, just before I was 21 and put on about 20 kilos as well. And okay, it's amazing, yeah. uh, exactly like you described when we're younger, there's just certain activity that sort of masks our habits and doesn't really show up how, how we're treating our body. And, uh, only takes a short period of time of doing a not, not a great deal for, suddenly all of that to be exposed and i mean again i was i was lucky that i was young and i uh and i and i was had time on my side and so over time getting back into activity and the weight sort of came off but i also remember as a uh, new parent same sort of thing happening and I was playing less sport and I was not able to do a whole lot of the things that i had done before and suddenly the same thing started happening again suddenly the pants are getting tired or I'm putting on more weight. And I think this is the part that that um, it would be good to to hear more of your thoughts on because for most of the people who are listening to, to this podcast tend to be from that older age group and they go through that and they're like, okay, well, now what do I do? So you've touched on it there. It's the nutrition and the eating habits, changing those that drive so much of it. And I've had a few people ask me recently about, well, how do you keep fit? And it's like, well, a lot of it is exactly that. It's choices around food and it's, and it's having the uh, ability to make those right choices because I know what I, I want 
out of my life, right? So that's that why that you mentioned. But what are the, what does a conversation go like? Tell us a bit more about the that nutritional side and how you would help guide someone who maybe is stuck in some of those old patterns. They're they're a uh, all or nothing ten hamburgers sort of person, or or even just yeah. something a bit more subtle that that maybe they weren't even realizing that that they were doing that was having a detrimental impact on their weight. Yeah, so like I, I think you kind of summed up really nicely. Like I know, especially for when clients come on to me, it's all about awareness. It's getting the awareness of it because if if we kind of measure it, we'll kind of get the awareness on, okay, we are doing this because a lot of people is kind of that mindset. It's emotional eating. It's dealing with stress. It's all that type of stuff that leads to their behavior. So we get the awareness on, okay, when we get home, like this was one for me. When I got home, I went straight to the fridge. Was I hungry? No, but I went straight to the fridge. Are you getting hungry just after you ate and you want sweets? So getting really that awareness is key. So normally that comes from tracking. That comes from, okay, tracking our food. So you can use apps like MyFitnessPal. That's a great one. I get clients to use that as well. Um, Even taking photos of food, keeping a diary, all those different things will help, but getting the awareness of it. How many times in our life have we, okay, kind of not noticed we've eaten KFC four times this week until we check our bank statement? I'm like, oh, shit. When did I, I don't, oh yeah, I ate that Monday, didn't I? You forget. Like humans are forgetting, especially when we're busy. We forget easily. Conveniently, right? Convenient. So this is something that I like to say as well. So set your environment up for laziness because naturally we're just lazy creatures. That's what we are, (laughs) especially being busy. When we get home, we just can't be fucked. Like if the food's not out on the table, okay, I'm just going to ring up and get a pizza, get it delivered to our door. Convenience is what we like as humans. So how can you make it like easier for you to go towards your healthy habits? So I'm, I might give a few strategies here just to make it a bit easier for the people listening. Yeah, please so do. The first one, let's say, okay, look at it like, were you ever in like construction and did JSAs and stuff like that? No. No, okay. So, so it's basically like looking at hazards. So I used to be a fridgy back in the day. Um, so do, do like in construction for a couple of years um, and it's looking at hazards. So when you look at hazards, you've got to go through a few different things. So let's say there's glass on the floor. Okay. Can we eliminate the hazard? Meaning get rid of it completely. Okay. Glass, you can sweep it up and get rid of it. If it's like electric cable, that's broken. You can't move it. So how do we kind of caution it off? We got to tape around it, make sure no one goes near, clear the area, do that. Look at like with that with your nutrition. Okay, do we have ice cream in the fridge? Does ice cream need to be in the house? If it doesn't, get rid of it. It doesn't need to come in the house. You might have an ice cream when you're out on a Sunday enjoying the walking around the park with the kids. Okay, fine. But it's not in the house. It's harder to get to. Um, same thing. If you need something that is kind of something bad, I guess, quote, unquote, um, like around, let's say, kind of treats, like lollies, all that stuff. If it needs to be in the house, which I would probably argue against, have it harder to get to at the back of the pantry, high up. So you have to get a stool to hop up and reach back. Have it underneath something. If you're a very tall fella, okay, then keep it as low as you can in the darkest place. If we can't see it, we can't trigger it. And look at those triggers as well. What are those triggers? For me, it was getting home. Straight away, I'd go straight to the fridge. That, that was a habit. That was a trigger. Opening the door was a trigger. 
okay, when we're stressed, that triggers us to eat more ice cream. All, all that different stuff can play a big role. We could probably talk about this for hours anyway because it's <laughs> yeah. a big topic. So, Yeah, for me, it's boredom. So yep, if, I'm, if I'm feeling a bit bored, then that's when I go to the fridge and have something I, I shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like uh, Leah said there in the, in the comments, I, I love that line, set yourself up for laziness. And, and I think that's very different to what a lot of people would teach in your space because it's like, you know, you got to be this and you got to push. And, and it's like, no, no, like we, we are essentially lazy. We look for the, we look for the easy solution. So set your fitness and your health up the same way. And um, yep. that, that's, that was one of the answers for me for beers. Like if there's no beer in the house, mm. I won't drink it. So just mm. don't buy any unless absolutely yeah, necessary. Exactly. You, really when, when you're busy and tired and get it, you're not going to want to drive down to the shops and get it. Like it makes it harder to do it. So. Yeah, and even like you said, like the the effort of having to get on get the stool is sometimes this only the circuit break you need to pause and go. Oh, is this is this something that I should be doing? And now it doesn't mean that you're not still going to make mistakes because you're again another one of these parts of being human. Okay. And this is what uh, where it comes in that that other thing that you talked about the the emotional impact and sometimes that's family history. So. You mentioned that that that's been a bit of a family history for you. So so, how did you recognise that that was something that that has been repeating? And then, what self awareness did you have around that for yourself of of how that played out and how you were going to need to to actually take some action there to break that chain? Yeah, of course. So, like, I'll give a bit of a background on me. So, I'm half South African. So, my dad's like a so he's South African. South African culture is very okay if you're like very high socioeconomic status, so you got a bit of money, you're, you're very well off. You're not in poverty. You look towards, okay, you live more kind of getting those treats, eating that because that's more kind of the status. Gotcha. Right. So yeah, it, it's more kind of that. So it's not like every household. So yes, religion, all that other stuff. Okay. Like all like, I, I guess your background, where you come from, because I work with a lot of Indians and stuff like that. So that can play a role, um, all that different stuff. You've got to look at that as well. So yeah. I know for me, that played a big impact around it, especially when I was eating around, um, stuff like that. Also having a dad, my dad was a PT as well. I will say 99% of PTs, they look fit and healthy. But if you go into it, their eating habits are fucking shocking. You're they right. are like, like it, it, it's, it's a, the backwards industry they're saying okay look fit like 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 eat this eat that eat that they'll be get home like yeah i'm just gonna order a pizza which is okay but it's how often we're eating that pizza so it's all that different stuff because i like my pizza i'm all up for flexibility but when it starts to impact that's kind of going off so really what i noticed for me is kind of like that i was very all or nothing I was very okay. I would be like, yep, I'm going to go off sugar for three months. I'm just going to cut it out completely. And then when I got back on it, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go. I would just have that massive binge of it. It took yeah, a lot right. of awareness on that, that I'm very like that. Like I'm like doing it like that. So when flexibility comes, I've got to be careful because once you develop something, it's very hard to get rid of it. Even then I'd probably say you can't really get rid of it. Yes, you can dim it down. So like this all or nothing behavior, it's very hard for me not to have the urge 
to eat it the next day as well. So let's say I get a pizza, I'm enjoying it, like I'm enjoying my pizza, I haven't had a pizza for a couple of weeks. That next day, I've got to make sure I'm really in tuned in and really get back that momentum. So it's kind of the consistency. So I like to say consistency is like a line and we're always kind of going up and down beside the line. Some of us are going massive things. So the all or nothing. So we're going really hard and we're really consistent for two months. Then we fall right off and then we're six months out of the gym. We've gained 20 kilos. I'm like, oh, fuck, what happened? The other way, nutrition. We might be like, yep, we're going to go on a diet. We're going to go keto. We're going to go whatever. We can touch diets if you want, but we're going to go into something that looks nice and we're going to get fit and healthy. We start off that for 10 days. We're really good, but then we have one little slip and then we're down here for six months and then we go up and down. It's always going to be like that because that's life. Life happens, but it's how close you can get to that consistency line how close you can keep up to it, that the best results kind of come. So that's when consistency kind of happens. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I actually, I really like that uh, analogy of the ups and downs. And I'd I'd usually say to people like this, if your line is just going ups and downs, then the consistency will be consistent, but you're not actually growing. Whereas if you you have it going on that upward Mm. trajectory, even the downs aren't really like downs. They're almost like a plateau. And so you continue yeah. to make those improvements, which which is what you're talking about—the habitual change. It's not about just doing what you what you know those quick fixes that are going to give you a um a short short term result, but it's about having something that's sustainable for the long term. Yeah, hundred percent. It's the two um the yeah two step forwards, one step back. So it's yeah. always moving forward. But yes, there's going to be roadblocks along the way. Yeah, and and it's interesting you say about PTs and and how they, uh, you, from your experience, have have typically don't necessarily have the best diet. It's been my experience as watching other elite athletes and and just the conversations that you know around what they're doing, even just watching them, like how you know they they still rely heavily on things like uh, Powerade, Gatorade full of sugar they're often taking the sugar lollies but mm. half time and all these different things and it's like you know like the 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 potential for improvements in nutrition in, yeah. in all of these places is is so much greater but it's also like you yeah. talked about before so, it's mar- they're masked because of the amount of exercise that they're doing and the amount mm-hmm. of physical work they're putting in which allows them to cover up from that but for those of us who are less active then there's less of that ability to, to do that. So, yeah. So, so there's probably lots of things we could cover there as well. Um, because I, I wouldn't say athletes is the best kind of example. Like, yes, a lot of people look towards athletes because they're very in, in, the, in the light, but athletes aren't the best example for nutrition sometimes. Looking at power lifters, like if we look at glucose energy systems, stuff like that. So, let's just say carbs. Carbs is the preferred power source. Um, so when we eat carbs, we process it into glycogen and then we kind of get the spikes. Um, but if we're running low, like you might see powerlifters eating gummy bears or something like that to really boost up their performance for that kind of training session. Yes, yep. gummy bears aren't the healthiest, but that will cause them to perform better during that time frame. So yes, and we can talk about exorption, all that other stuff. And like having like refined sugar and all that isn't as bad when you're training around it within a time period and stuff like that. Um, But for a normal person, it's probably not the best to look at. For a normal person, we should be looking to be fit and healthy. Yes, you can have those sweets, you can have all that, 
But yeah, the, the industry is very backwards with that because they don't have the flexibility there. Like I, I could rant about this all day. Like I've, <laughs> I've been around it most of my life and it's very backwards. Like wh- when I went to my dad's to kind of have a bit of food, whatever, when I went to see him, we always had like junk food. We always had the stuff you'd probably get on a Friday night. We always had, okay, hot chips. We always had all these different things and that would be recurring and he would be eating that Monday to Friday as well. Yeah. Interesting. Um, comment there from the audience again. Uh, Tanya mentioned about daily protocols. Um, that's, that is something that they talk about for, from a sports psychology perspective. It's like coming back to process, whether you call it protocols or process or, or structure. But um, when you know, when you have clarity on what your, your best looks like and what's the, an easy to follow process, then it makes day to day management of everything so much easier. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that 100%. And I think that comes back to probably our start conversation about standards. Having those standards around your health, around your day, around that week. So around, okay, what you want to do. If you find you're a busy professional that kind of gets really busy, but you want to spend more time with your family, have you blocked that out on your calendar that you're going to spend Sunday away from your phone, away from your emails to spend with your family doing something? Have you blocked that out already? Is that a standard per week? Or are you just going to get sucked in? I'm too tired to go out. I don't have anything planned, so I'm just going to stay in, watch the tally, and just do me emails. Yep, powerful. Now, I know for every one of us who are out there helping other people, we have our challenges, and, and they tend to be a similar challenge to what we help people with. So, so what are some of those challenges that you still have uh, around looking after yourself and making sure that you are doing the best thing for you? Like, Where do they still show up, and how do you manage them as well? Yeah. So the main thing is I get really sucked into giving. So I like to give a lot and I probably give too much sometimes that it kind of causes my habits to go out of whack. So something I'm really working on is that being selfish to be selfless, to really give more. I've got to take more, if that makes sense. I've got to make sure I have my routines in check. I've got to make sure I do my morning movement. I drink my water. I do all that type of stuff and I don't just kind of get sucked into the day. And then the end of the day comes and I'm like, oh, damn it. Like my coaching calls went an hour over and I didn't get to do my workout today. Like, yes, I'll still take the action, but it's still trying to prioritize myself, respecting my own schedule and my own standards there too. Yeah, I love that. And to me, for those of us who like to be giving, that, that is a, a common trap to to end up spending all uh, expending all this energy trying to help other people and which which fills us up right there, it's, there's a yeah, selfish yeah. element to that because there's a full f- fulfillment and it feels good and all those different things but ultimately if we're not prioritizing our own stuff if we're not getting those boundaries in place well then we end up just getting burnt out and again me from experience last week right despite the fact that i talk about this over and over again mm. I still somehow got myself to the point where I'd burned myself out and 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 got sick, and mm. I've got to be honest. The first the first part of the, that when I knew it was coming on, I, I was like massive resistance. I can't be sick. Like I, mm. I can't. I can't. You know what I mean? Like it's like just relax, <laughs> like yeah. allow that space. So how do you how do you help 
your clients to find those boundaries to be able to stick to what is most important for them to be a little bit like that selfish so that they can go out there and be their best for all the important people in their life. Yeah, so it really comes down to them because as you know, we're all in different stages of our lives. We're all doing different things and some people want to prioritize different things to others. So it's really getting that kind of vision for yourself, where you want to go and what that kind of looks like. And the best way I like to look at it is I've got different phases I put people through. So the first one is just health standards. It's just getting back that momentum with health, getting the awareness, all that. And then we start to get to the lifestyle area. And then we start to get deeper into the mindset, so like the identity. So yes, it takes a little bit different because what does it take? 21 days to 50 something days to build a habit. Um, yep. And then it takes anywhere from, I think, 16 to 18 months to build a lifestyle. And then for your actual identity, so this is like a runner. You don't have to tell a runner to go for a run. It's who they are. It takes yeah. a long time. That's like three years plus. What does it take? Six months for affirmations. So like going from I can't to I can, like doing that repetitively for the wiring just to start to change. Like it yeah. just starts to change. It takes six months of consistent action. So it's, it's a long process. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but it's well worth it. 100% well worth it. And I yeah. think that's the thing is like if you're looking for the the simple, uh, well, no, not simple, but if you're looking for the magic bullet solution, if you're looking for that instant success, well, then you'll always be chasing it. You have to at some point take the time to realize I'm, I'm going to have to build some some positive habits here if I want to change my life. You use the word there, uh, identity. So if we look at your future and, I'm, and what you just described there for people is have a look at that vision for what life looks yeah. like. What, what vision have you seen? Like are, are you is your bigger vision about helping other PTs to be able to build what you now know works given that you've been in the industry basically growing up within it with having your dad doing it? Uh, or is it specific uh, specific area of life that you want to help? Um, is it athletes? Like have you looked – at what that future looks like for you and your business. Yeah, yeah. So so I really have. So I know for me, like I like that kind of slowed back, I, I guess that beach lifestyle. So it's really kind of slowing down for me and giving other people within the business more responsibility. Um, that's just personally for me. And really just giving as much value as possible if this is paid with clients or not. It's really just putting that message out there to really kind of, change people's lives because like I was on a coaching call what was it last night and he actually said just in the six months we've been working together that his life has changed dramatically he went from awesome. an angry miserable dad like to a husband to hating his job to doing all that to now starting his own business he got his health back in order he's lost How a good. ton of weight yeah it, it yeah. makes me feel amazing but he's put in all the effort as well it, yeah. it, it takes two to tango so he put on a lot of effort. So it's really just kind of duplicating that as much as I can, like kind of changing as many people as I can. If that's from me or other people, I don't mind. I'm happy to show people what I'm doing and all that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book. Um, but it's really just to kind of change one person at a time. Yeah, and the ripple effect of that. So you literally have changed his life, changed the life of his wife, his kids, everyone he comes in mm. contact with. Man, that's so powerful. So – 
for anyone who's listening and they're thinking, okay, well, I, I want to make some changes, like there's a great motivator. There's a great source of inspiration mm. to go, if I make a change in a particular area and if at the moment, if it's a physical well-being thing that's really calling you, that's that's the impact it can have. Like in six short months, it's created that that ripple effect. What what mm. is potential for, for this person that you've helped what, what is the potential for, for their life now going forward as a result of that? That's really powerful, Isaiah. Thank you for sharing oh, 100%. that. 100%. Oh, thanks, man. Can you, can you talk me through uh, that moment where you broke your back? Because I imagine that in a way there would have been a whole lot of things sort of coming crashing down. Like mm. what was it like in those really tough days there? Like were you, were you questioning yourself? Were you down on yourself? Like – how did that unfold and, and how did you manage through that? Yeah, so it, like it was kind of, I kept keeping really busy. So what I did was a stress fracture in me L2, L3. So because it was a stress fracture, it was a partial fracture. So I didn't break my back fully that I had to be like bedridden, all that different stuff. I could still move, but I couldn't really do anything really intense, um, which definitely frustrated me going from kind of doing a lot to now doing nothing which caused, okay, made it a lot harder getting back into it, yes. Um, but I guess from a mental perspective, there was a little bit of relief um, as well, being like, oh, shit, like I don't have this pressure now that I have to do it. Um, yeah. I don't have this pressure that I have to travel. It was a bit of kind of, it, it was a mixed emotions. It was some relief like, oh, thank fuck, like I, I can sit back now, I can actually relax, which I probably didn't relax for a couple of years because I was always go, go, go. Um, yeah. And it was kind of a bit of frustration as well. So frustration towards, okay, like and a bit, bit of just lack of clarity. So it kind of caused me to go traveling for a bit. So I probably did what? I probably did two years of traveling straight after I broke me back and kind of just that self-growth, self-discovery, all that different thing. Enroll in like Tony Robbins seminars, do all these different things, get a lot of awareness around what I was actually feeling around where I wanted to go. Was athletics the right for me or was that something I was just pressured into? Something that was just a pattern for me while I was growing up? Something people like, oh, you're good at this and you've got to do this. Was it something like that or something I wanted to do? Um, so it, it was a lot of kind of reflection that caused that. Yeah, I love that. And you don't have to take uh, two years traveling to to have that space. Oh, we can no, create no. that space in every day. But there is something very powerful about changing locations, about moving out of our current environment and uh, yeah. and looking at the world through a different lens. So I really oh, love that. Um, 100%. Like I – oh, where is it? I heard this ages ago, like basically like if you're having a problem in your life, isolate yourself like go out and isolate yourself from everyone and a solution will come it might take an hour it might take a few days but a solution will come and guide you in the right direction so you can get into spiritual reasons whatever um but it's definitely you could say it's your gut telling you what to do you could say it's your heart you could say it's god you could say it's whatever but the solutions always come if you look for it absolutely but we have to pause long enough for allow them to to find us so yeah yeah Travel's definitely a good one for that. But as you said, sometimes you can just take a step away. It can take an hour or or, uh, or in days. Um, yeah, absolutely, Kathy. Uh, the more peaceful we are, that impacts our household, our clients, and our community spot on. And um, we, we only need to uh, 
to notice what shows up in if we go again that self-awareness piece if there's a certain thing that's showing up for you again and again and again there's something that you need to pay attention to for me early days of of my journey of making change in my life was i'd see angry parents everywhere and it was just the world reflecting back to me how i was feeling how i was reacting how i was as a parent and the more that i actually had that awareness and and did something about it the less that I see to the point where that's not something that I can remember seeing in a long time. So it really is that opportunity to, to have that space of self-awareness, what's going on for, for us physically when we've got your, what you're talking about, what's happening in terms of time, where are we too busy, am, am I who's what is where is this motivation coming from? All really, really powerful questions to ask. So Isaiah, if you if you look at the the work that you've done already in in this uh, early days of your career, really, what's a what's a message that you'd love to share with people who are listening to this about what well, how can they how can you instill something in them now to help them realise that they can change and that the change will absolutely be worth it? Oh. Just look at stuff that inspires you around it. Look at your journey or my journey or just anyone's journey and it is well worth it just looking at that. Think about, okay, if I did the actions, let's say for the next six months, let's say by next year, if I did the actions, how would next year look? It would be dramatically different, wouldn't it? It would be yeah. worthwhile doing small little actions now to make next year a whole new year, a whole new way of living your life a whole new way. Your, li your life will be changed. It takes a short period of time. It takes one action, one choice to change your life forever. So it's just about making that choice. So make that choice. Brilliant. And uh, no one can make it for you. Ultimately, we, we need to, to be able to, to make that choice. But uh, the choice to reach out to someone like you might just be that first step to, to changing their whole life, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm open to having a conversation. No, if it's health related, brilliant. If it's not, that's completely fine. Because I'm here to just have a chat and kind of just, just help in whatever way I can. So, cool, man. So, where, where's the best place for people to find you, Isaiah? Um, so I'm more active over on LinkedIn. Um, so just search Isaiah Abrahams, and you'll be able to find. It's under the same name as it's on here. Um, and just connect. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have a bit of a chat. Facebook as well. Um, you can add me as a friend over there. That, that, that's where I'm mainly at. I also have a community group over on Facebook. So if you're interested on that, just send me a message over there and we can, I can send you the link over there. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's really basically cool. the easiest way to find me. Good, man. We'll make sure we get those links there in the notes as well. Uh, Isaiah, thank you so much for sharing your journey. I, I get the sense that you are a man well beyond your years and definitely with the wisdom that you've passed on, it's clear that uh, people could, could definitely benefit from having some time in your presence. So thanks very much for, for sharing that with us here today. Oh, thanks, Ian. I appreciate your time and I appreciate the chat, dude. It's been good. Cheers, mate. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com 
forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.